Dave is going to be teaching out of Genesis 32, a couple of different sections. <clears throat> so I'll read those for us now. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is the camp of God. So he named that place Mahanaim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, This is what you are to say to my lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban, and I've remained here till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, male and female servants. Now I am sending this message to my lord that I may find favor in your eyes. When the messenger returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau. And now he's coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there, And from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. The word of the Lord. All right, I'm going to pray for us here. I, uh, I've been in East Nashville already. This morning we had uh, an emergency with one of the other pastors on staff, and so uh, I am coming from there. I like to refer to that as South Kentucky. Um, <laughs> it's a long ways away. Uh, but uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll talk about this riveting dietary passage about what parts of the hip you can't and cannot eat. All right? No, I'm kidding. Uh, Lord, bless uh, this word. Speak to us, Lord. We, we need to hear from you. Uh, we don't need to hear from me. And I pray, uh, Lord, uh, that uh, what we're going to talk about would, uh, would really wrestle with our heart. 
and cause us to wrestle with you. Uh, we love you in your name. Amen. So uh, we started the series, I think it was last week actually, um, looking at questions that God asks people in the Old Testament, different questions that he asks folks. And we've been focusing on really this, why is God asking these questions? Because if God's God, right, if God's omniscient, which scripture says he is, if he knows our hearts and our thoughts before we know our own hearts and thoughts and words before they're on our tongue, why in the world would God ask a question? Because if he's God, he knows the answer to the question, right? We have to conclude then that he's asking that question for a different reason. That he's asking that question not because he needs to learn something about the person he's asking the question to, but he's asking it to them because the person that he's asking the question to, he's actually trying to lead them to discover something about themselves, right? I'm actually trying to ask you a question that's going to cause you to pause, cause you to think, cause you to reflect about you. Because I know about you, but do you know about you? Do you know about me? That question could cause you to pause and reflect and think about him specifically God's heart towards that individual, because that's what good questions do, right? I said that last week. When someone is a good question asker, they don't just simply get information from you. They actually ask you a question that makes you realize, wow, I'm going to think more deeply about myself right now and understand what's going on in me right now or my condition right now. And even if I can get past that, I may actually stop and ask this, who asks questions like that? Who are you that you can ask a question that stops me in my tracks? Well, the question that we're looking at this week is this question that God asked Jacob in their wrestling match, right? What is your name? What is your name? It's a question that Jacob gets asked by God after this all-night wrestling match, right? Where God, with kind of the touch, the scripture, like the, the Greek there is like the faintest touch of his finger on the socket of his hip, he wrenches Jacob's hip and he absolutely ends the match, right? Scripture says elsewhere that Jacob would limp the rest of his life as a result of this moment. He would always lean on his staff because of this moment. And that touch left Jacob clinging to God in this picture here, right? He's clinging to him. The man saying, let me go, for it's about daybreak. And he's like, I will not let you go. He's clinging to him in utter desperation, refusing to let go of the man of God until he blesses him. And God, at the climax of that struggle, of this all-night wrestling match, he asked him this question, what is your name? Like, I wrestled in high school. Uh, I didn't want to wrestle in high school. I got manipulated by other people because I was tiny. Hey, like we need, I think I wrestled 103 pounds my first year. I know. Things have happened, (laughs) y'all. But I can tell you this, that in a wrestling match, before I was about to get pinned, which happened only a couple of times, uh, no one ever was like, hey, before I pin you, what's your name again, right? Like why in the world is God asking him that? Like, did he not know that it was Jacob? I mean, Jacob says earlier there in in verse 9, you're the one who told me, right, to go back to my country. So I'm I'm where I'm at on the the verge of the promised land because you told me to go back there. You told me to go back to my relatives. So you know where I'm from, and you know the people that I'm from, right? And you said that you're going to make me prosper. So, of course, he knew who Jacob was. But why is that question 
so crucial for Jacob to be asked? Not because God didn't know. What was he trying to get Jacob to see in this moment? Because yes, there was a physical wrestling match happening right now, but God being God also understood something, which was is that there was a spiritual existential wrestling match going on that this physical one just represented. And that question, what is your name, Jacob? That question really uh, is something that he's been wrestling with, not just for this night, but he's been wrestling with since the day he was born. Because Jacob's whole story is one of wrestling. From birth, his name, literally given name, means deceiver, right? It means supplanter, heel grabber or grasper, right? Even before he was born, in Genesis 25, it talks about that he was in a wrestling match with his brother Esau in his mother's womb, right? He was wrestling before he was born. And if you know his life, and I'm just going to give you a snapshot here in a second, his whole life, he's been a hustler. He's going to make it happen, right? He's been a swindler. He's been a manipulator of the truth, angling for his own betterment at the expense of whoever's in his way, right? Jacob was a deceiver. Here's a snapshot. Starting in Genesis 25, it talks about him taking advantage of his brother Esau, who was the firstborn, right? And in a moment of vulnerability, Esau's coming in from, like, I guess, a long day out in the field hunting, and he's literally, it says, on the brink of starvation. And in that moment, Jacob's got some stew going. He basically manipulates Esau into selling his birthright to him for a bowl of stew. I'm not sure what that says about Esau, right? Uh, I mean, but it's cruel, right? This is your brother on the brink of starvation. I mean, this is like when Lloyd Christmas sells the duct tape bird to the blind kid in Dumb and Dumber for some... You guys remember that part, right? Yeah. Billy in, in Forsey. Petey. Petey was the bird. Yeah, Billy was the kid. Sorry. You know Petey. Yeah. So he takes his brother's birthright in a moment of vulnerability. Then later in Genesis 27... Under the direction of his own mother, Rebecca, right, whose scripture says loved Jacob more than Esau. So his mom and he cook up this idea to take advantage of their nearly blind father, Isaac, and Jacob impersonates Esau. It's this crazy story. Go read it. Basically, Jacob's whole story is Genesis 25 to 36. So you have a great thing to do this afternoon, right? He wears this like hairy suit, impersonates Esau tricks Isaac, right, into giving the blessing, which was a huge deal in that day, a spoken blessing. It was basically like a verbal giving over of the power of attorney to the entire estate, right? He tricks Esau out of what was his by birthright and gets Isaac to give that to him. And Esau shows up later, basically coming in to bring food to his dad, and his dad realizes, Isaac realizes, oh my goodness, Esau tricked you, or sorry, Jacob tricked you, or tricked me and you. He's a tricker, right? And I gave him what was yours, right? It's this incredibly sad story where Esau 
In Genesis 27, he's begging his dad, please reverse this. Please make this change. Please tell me you still have some blessing for me. And his dad looks at him and he says, nope. Your brother just swindled me and you out of everything. Esau is so enraged, he vows, basically, Isaac, when you're dead, I'm going to kill Jacob. And so here comes mom again to the rescue, right? Great dysfunctional family. Mom comes in and says, Jacob, Esau's going to kill you. I want you to flee to my brother, Uncle Laban's house, right? Go to Uncle Laban's and everything will work out there. When Jacob gets to Uncle Laban's house, he gets a taste of his own medicine at the hands of Laban because he wants to marry his daughter, Rachel. And Laban tricks him and gets him to marry Leah. And that's a long story and we're not going to go into it this morning. But basically, he gets tricked out of and deceived out of 14 years of his life. 14 years of his life, he basically works for Laban and ends up now married to Leah and Rachel. And if you go study Leah and Rachel's relationship and the kids that come from that, the turmoil that's in this relationship, you think your family screwed up? Like, like shows like Bloodline, Yellowstone, where do you think they get their material from, Right? This is Ecclesiastes says this, this is nothing new under the sun. This is an absolutely messed up family. And Jacob's at the center of it all. There are people trying to fix broken with another bad decision. You ever been there? Jacob's name was Deceiver, and his whole life had been living up to and living into that name. Whatever I have to do to get the life I want, I'm going to do it. No matter who it hurts, no matter whether it's wrong. And here in this moment, what we just read, it finally catches up to him. His back is completely against the wall. His brother is coming with 400 men, and I would encourage you to go read about how Esau handles this because it's a surprise. God's at work in some pretty gracious ways. His brother's coming with 400 men. Remember, he's the one who vowed, I'm going to kill Jacob. So Jacob thinks, this is the end, right? I'm dividing my family up into two groups, hoping like maybe if they get this group of people, he won't get this group of people, right? That's basically what he's doing. Sorry for one of you. And he's throwing up Hail Mary prayers, right? Oh, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac. What's he doing? I mean, he's name-dropping hoping that grandpa and dad's relationship with God has enough weight to it, right? I know I'm not really following you, Lord, but like, I hope grandpa and Isaac, you know, their pull still has enough in order that if I throw their names out there, it could possibly sway this situation. You're not my God, but you're their God, basically is what he's saying. And yet, Jacob says there, he's finally face to face and he's alone. Grandpa ain't here. Dad ain't here. Ain't nobody here. This is you and me. Right? He's alone with the one that he spent his life circumventing, playing religious about, ignoring, avoiding. And God, in this encounter with Jacob, Instead of allowing what he deserved, right, which was the full weight of his sin and his deception to absolutely fall on him, 
to destroy him. God wins the battle with a poke of his finger. I think that's funny, right? Like, sometimes my kids wrestle with me and they actually think I'm, like, we're on the same page, right? But if someone can win with a poke of a finger, it means they weren't really trying, right? Like, I'm, I'm letting you wrestle with me for you. He wins with a poke of a finger and then he asks him his name and then he does this. He gives him a new name. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. He gives him a new name. Why? Like, why rename somebody? Why does he do that? Like, when do we get our names? Like, we get them, what? From our fathers and our mothers at birth. Like, I know this may seem like, huh, what? This is, is profoundly significant because what he's doing in this moment, he's saying, we, can, we don't need to just go back to that point where you swindled Esau, right? We don't need to just go back to this point where you swindled Isaac. We need to go all the way back to the start. This represents the depth of change that I am doing in your life, Jacob. You need a name, and you need to get rid of that name, that name that has defined you, that name that you have been living out of, it needs to be replaced. And if I don't come do that for you, left to yourself, the blessing, the things that you desire in your life that you don't deserve, you will not be able to get it. I have to give it to you. Because Jacob, he didn't just need a circumstantial, momentary rescue from being in this bind that he was in, right? Right? please, please, please just bless me. Don't let my brother kill me. He needed an entirely new identity. He needed a new name. It wasn't just get me out of this bind. It was get me out of me because I can't get out of my own way. He needed a new name. Moving from a place of being a deceiver into a place which we see here is I'm a receiver now. I'm receiving a new name from you. I'm moving from somebody who's simply wrestling with my brother or wrestling with man, right? To get an identity to, I'm wrestling with God now. I'm doing business with God. I'm letting God do business with me because that's what the name Israel means. It means God prevails. It means God strives, right? It's basically saying this, I'm wrestling with you and for you in ways you can't wrestle for yourself. And I've come to rescue you from that name, from your nature, from that sin that you couldn't change to give you a name that you could never earn. That's what's happening right now. I win. I prevail over you, over your past sins, over the sins that have been done to you, over what sin has done to you. I'm here to prevail. I'm here to win. My grace wins. My love wins. My mercy wins over it all. So for us, because that's great. Is that, is that just, I mean, is that Jacob's story or is that our story? For us, when you hear that question, what is your name? What is it? Like, what names do you live out of? 
because we're all living out of some name, right? Do we have the, the picture of me in high school? Yeah, there he is. He's going to take you down to Chinatown, right? No. That was my senior year. That guy is acting tough in that picture. But let me tell you about that guy. That guy was insecure, profoundly afraid, starved for attention and affirmation. Um, I already told you that. The only reason I was doing that was because I wanted somebody to like me. Right? I didn't even really enjoy wrestling. We all live out of some name, right? We're all trying to make some name for ourselves. And would you ask this question? Because this is the story of Jacob. What if the name that you seek is one that only he can give you? What if the identity and the security and the value that you're wrestling for every single day that you most deeply need and desire, it can't come from money. It can't come from your success. It can't come from how good your kids turn out. It can't come from your accomplishments. It can't come from how mid-century your house looks. It can't come from where you fit into your family system how many flocks and herds you have, it can only come from him. Where are you living out of your past sins, out of your shame, out of your failures, and how those things name you? And where are you? Because a lot of people's lives, all their lives are spent is trying to wrestle themselves out of that stuff trying to do enough right to get rid of that old name. I'm going to make, like Jacob was trying to do with Esau, send waves and waves of gifts, right? I'm going to try to make right everything I've done to screw up our relationship. That's wrestling with man. So what's your name? Is your name, I'll give you some of mine, <clears throat> not pretty enough? Not successful or accomplished enough? Not skinny enough? Not enough followers? Not enough influence? Not enough on my resume? Not in the right circle of people that I need to be in? Is it abandoned? Is it insufficient? Is it unlovable? Is it unworthy of love? I'll tell you, I call that having a case of the knots. <laughs> not this, not this, not this. If you've got a case of the knots, then you're probably still likely just wrestling with man. You're wrestling with one another, comparing yourself to one another which 2 Corinthians says is an absolute fool's errand. Would you wrestle with God about that stuff? Would you dare to believe that he's trying to wrestle with you about that stuff? Because few people do it. And few people stop and realize, you know what, in all of that 
not. I'm not this. I'm not this. I'm not this. I got to be this. I got to be this. I got to be this. So many people don't realize that's actually God wrestling with you. He's trying to get you alone to actually wrestle with him about what is going on in your heart. The places that you're afraid, the places that you're trying to control your life, the places that you're anxious or you feel insufficient. I dare you to believe he's saying, come on, bring it. And guess what? When he invites you to wrestle with him, uh, he is going to humble you. He's going to do it. But he doesn't humble us to shame us, right? He humbles us because like Jacob, I'm going to humble you in order to love you and to bless you, right? I'm going to make you limp. Like most people who I know who have actually wrestled with God about their identity, about their name, they do limp. They do. They limp through the rest of life. And they let their weakness actually be the place that God has shown, right? He's going to humble you, but he's going to teach you that insufficient place, that insufficient identity that you're trying to live out of, those names that you have been given by your family system, those names that you have earned by your own sin and your own mistakes, or the names that you have been given by the sin that has been done to you, I am actually trying to set you free and invite you to live out of a completely different name, to pick up the name that only I can give you, and he has given you a new name. If you are a Christian, if you are in Christ this morning, you have a new name. And it ain't not something. It is something. I'll just give you some of the words the scripture says about you. You are beloved. You are holy. You are set apart. You are righteous. You are chosen. You are dearly loved. You have a future hope that cannot be cut off. You are God's treasured possession. That's just some of them. Do you know your new name? Do you know how to live out of your new name? Have you forgotten your new name? We used to go to Ireland, and there was a guy in Ireland who would come to the place that we stayed, and I, I believe he was kind of a homeless guy named Richard. Uh, he would just show up, and he was kind of kooky. Um, but he would ask you your name, and uh, then five minutes later, he would ask you your name again, and then five minutes later, he would ask you your name again. And it was kind of comical because you kept thinking, is he forgetting my name? And he would do it like this. He'd be like, he's like, what is your name? I'm like, I'm, my, name is, my name is David. He's like, David. He's like, do you know what your name means? I was like, he's like, your name means beloved. I was like, thank you, Richard. Two minutes later, now what is your name? I'm like, uh, it's, it's David. He's like, ah, David. Do you know what your name means? I'm like, yep, because you told me two minutes ago it means beloved. It means beloved. He would say it anyways. <laughs> like, all right. Five minutes later, what's your name? It's still David. Do you know what your name means, David? It means beloved. That's right. It means beloved. Was Richard the one that was forgetting, or did he know something about me? 
I mean, maybe Richard was crazy and just had a short memory, or maybe he was genius. Maybe Richard knew that if I don't ask you your name and have you say, this is my name, and this is what my name means, that if I don't remember that and be reminded of that all the time, I will spend my entire life trying to name myself or get out of the names I've been given. Is it possible that that's the Lord? That in in the wrestling match that you got going on with him in whatever area of your life, that he's literally saying, let me remind you of your name. I'm going to ask you to say it with me over and over again so you can remember. This is who you are. This is who you are. So you can set down a life of just wrestling with everyone around you to try to get something that they can't give you that he's already given you. All right? So I'm going to pray for us. And Janie and the team, we may need to shorten a little bit. Just be sensitive to that. Janie and the team are going to lead just a little bit of some time instrumentally, and I want you to ask God this question. Lord, what are the false names that I'm living out of that I'm letting define me? Maybe it's a name that you got from your family. Maybe it's a name that you earned through your reputation like Jacob. I don't know. And then will you ask him, uh, Lord, what would it, what name do I need to hear this morning? What, what, what is the truth, the things that you've said about me um, that I desperately need to hear from you? And would you ask him? Because he, he may wound you in this moment, um, but he's doing it to tell you the truth of who you are and to bless you. So I'm going to pray for us, and then, Lord, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you that you wrestle with us, um, and that you do that uh, not to harm us, but to heal us. Lord, we have so many names. I, c- I could list so many names that... Uh, I wear, and so many ones I want to wear that uh, I want to earn rather than the name uh, that I most desperately need, which is your banner over me, uh, your name, that I'm, I'm one who's rescued by you, rescued from the things that have been done to me and rescued from myself. So Lord, rescue us now. Uh, meet us as we pray to you um, and as we listen to you in your name. Amen. All right, stay uh, standing for the benediction. One uh, bit of family biz. Uh, You will be getting an email, uh, or should be. If not, you're not on the email list, so you should get on that. Uh, Going out this afternoon, there'll be a big video uh, kind of attached to that from me and the elders of the church talking about, I mean, we've been talking a lot about a lot of relaunching things and kind of coming out of COVID, but one of those things is, is that we've initiated or are initiating a search for an assistant pastor to come work alongside of me here at Creve Hall, uh, which is a big deal. Uh, and it's a big deal because a lot of things, but ultimately it says that Midtown as a whole sees investing in this congregation is really, really important uh, in this season. So I'm not going to share a bunch about that because we shot this really slick video. Uh, no, I mean, it's all the information's there and there's going to be a town hall this Thursday night. If you want to come, 
we'll talk about that and just have time of Q&A as well. But watch it. Um, and if you have questions, uh, don't mill on those by yourself. Uh, and if you're wondering and already writing narratives in your head, I'm not going anywhere. Um, this is someone to come work alongside me, okay? So uh, receive this benediction. We actually, we use this one a lot out of number six. Uh, and this is when the Israelites are called the Israelites. Remember, Jacob just got named Israel. This is way down down the line after Moses and Aaron had brought him out of Egypt. And this is what he says, I want you to put my name on the Israelites with this blessing. This is your name now, right? And so um, I'm going I'm to read this to us as a benediction, but I, w- I want to challenge you to do something. She read this passage about a cloud of witnesses. Um, we need this cloud of witnesses to fix our eyes on Jesus. If, you, if God showed you this morning, I'm living out of some old name, or I'm living out of this name, whatever it is, would you tell somebody about it? Would you go find somebody and say, this is the name that is defining me. I need you to be a cloud of witnesses <laughs> to fix my eyes on Jesus and remind me of my name, right? Because that's what Jacob needed. That's what Moses and Aaron did for the Israelites. That's what we need. So receive your name, Midtown Creek Hall. The Lord bless you and keep you. He's doing that. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. Why? Not to destroy you, but to give you peace. Go in the beautiful, strong, wrestling for you, Jesus that you have who loves you dearly. All right? Amen. Let's sing the doxology together. Praise God for